Welcome to... Oh, hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point for all of you listeners, our weekly breakdown of all the action happening across the Division I college tennis world. On today's show, we get to preview some conference tournaments as postseason action gets underway across the country. So many teams fighting for their spots in the NCAA tournament, whether it be as a top eight host, not only for the first weekend, but of course for those coveted Super Regional Sweet 16 matches. We've got teams fighting for top Top 16 positioning teams fighting just to get in to the NCAA tournament as such. Desperation is going to be a theme on today's show. We'll talk about who has separated themselves, who is still in the hunt, who needs to fight for their lives over the final few weekends over the course of this 2022 regular season. And of course, if you are going to break it all down, you better have some help to do so. Thankfully, I do each and every week on this show with the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. They both join me on the show once again today. Let's start where we always start. You know him as your co-favorite writer on our website, crackrackets.com, a former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net, a man who claims he has no idea what's going on yet is always prepared to fire off a few good takes. It is our friend, Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot. It is always a pleasure to see your smiling face. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. Hey, it's postseason time now. You know, the takes are going to be spicier than ever. Uh, We've been waiting for this. So uh, excited to be here. And I am a little bit jealous of Chris, though. It looks like he's enjoying a vacation somewhere. Um, Not quite sure which tropical island he's on, but man, I mean, I wish I could be watching some college tennis from wherever Chris is at. Well, that's a good segue. Joining us from either the Caymans or Jeffrey Epstein's island is the man you know as the forefather <laughs> of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, lover of mothers, lover of almond joys, the snitch, the professor. He quotes Henry Ford. It's our friend Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. What are you just in a festive mood? What's up with the background? I'm glad you guys set me up completely unprepared and you gave the segue. I mean, we know. What requires? I know it's coming. Now I know it's coming. Yeah, here it comes. The Auburn bucket hat. I set my eyes. Let's go. War Eagle. Yeah, that's great. Of course, Chris proudly repping an Auburn bucket hat that was sent his way. And obviously a huge thank you to coach who sent it your way. Uh, Coach Hushiar did. And one for you as well. Oh, thank you, Coach Hushier. We are immensely grateful. Thank you to Coach Brian Calbus. I got his package under uh, in the mail today. Finally, I'm going to be able to rep some UNC gear proudly. Also, a UNC bucket hat in them. It's going to be a fun summer, Chris. That's what the, what I'm learning here is we are going to look good again on whatever island we end up sailing off to. But of course, before we can sail off, we got to get through what promises to be an exciting ending to the 2022 college tennis season. And of course, the reason we're able to cover all of the action each and every week on this show is because of the support we get from all of you. Sincerely, coaches, players, fans who have embraced our crack racket shows. We remain immensely grateful each and every week that you continue to do so that you take us seriously remains the greatest gift uh, to all of us. And again, that you continue to embrace us. That's all we can ever ask for. So thank you for your continued support. Also a huge thank Thank you to our friends at both Swing Vision and Turner, the power of behind this show, of course. I had the opportunity 
opportunity to speak. There it is. I can't speak right now, but normally I can. And in that moment, I could speak to Swing Vision CEO, Swapnil Sahai, who joins me on the Cracked Interviews podcast later this week uh, to talk about everything happening at Swing Vision, the origin of the idea, why it's important to make information like this publicly available to tennis players. It hasn't been for so long, but sincerely, folks, you download the Swing Vision app today. You're going to have so much data on your hands. You're going to have no more excuses for not improving your tennis game. It breaks down all the film for you, shows you the makes, shows you the misses, the forehands, the backhands, the volleys. It can segment it all for you, make breaking down your performance on court that much easier. And look, the older you get, the less time you have for things like private lessons. You got to make every second on the court count. Swing Vision can help you do that. You can learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. And again, be on the lookout for my conversation with Swing Vision CEO Swap Nilsa. Hi, coming up on the Cracked Interviews podcast in the next few days. Of course, a huge thank you to our friends at Turna as well. And I say it every week. I mean it each and every time I do. I'm telling you, college coaches, your team's going to look better if they're outfitted with Turna gear, whether it be the grips, whether it be the strings. We're telling you, best in the business, folks. You can join the Turna team today by contacting sales at uniquesports.com. Of course, when you do mention Crack Racket Sense, you not only would we appreciate that fact, but they'll hook you up with discounted pricing, hook you up with free samples, treat you like family as well. And look, this isn't season one. Turner has supported this show. They've been with us for a long time now. We are immensely grateful for that fact. They've been supporting tennis players everywhere for years. You can join the Turner team today by contacting sales at uniquesports.com. Don't forget to mention that we here at Cracked Racket Sent Show. With all of that said, let's get into it. And, you know, Maddie, Chris like to joke around that I don't send the, them the outline so they don't know what we're going to talk about each and every week. Let me be clear. If I did send them the outline, Chris might glance at it. Maddie's coming in hot no matter what. So I've just, you know, saved us all a step uh, to that point. But I know this is a topic Maddie's going to have near and dear to his heart because he was on scene for the brouhaha that went down in North Carolina last weekend. We previewed it at the end of our show. We said the quad happening between Wake Forest, NC State, UNC, Duke, that was going to capture our attention as we try to figure out what's what sifting through all the depth in the ACC conference. Well, folks, here's what happened. In North Carolina, in the end, it was Wake going 2-0, as predicted by all three of us. Wake, a 4-2 win over Duke, a 4-1 victory over UNC. I want to talk about this Wake Forest team here at the start because you look at what Wake has accomplished now overall on the season, 31-5 overall on the year. Let's remember, they played Tennessee extraordinarily close in Knoxville early in the season, dropping that match 4-3. They earned a win 4-3 over a Styler-less Michigan team, still nevertheless impressive. 4-3 win in the kickoff weekend. They go to the kickoff. They beat Georgia, beat Texas, drop a match to Ohio State, but their only loss in conference play on the road at Virginia. Other than that, Wake Forest has taken care of business and their 4-2 victory over Duke was their closest win since beating Miami 4-3 at Miami on March 4th. My point being here, Wake has cruised through this ACC regular season. And of course, you look at the record for the Demon Deacons, 31-5 and overall. As always, Tony Bresky, king of the doubleheader, he's making sure his team is playing matches. Here's my question to both of you, and I'll start with you, Maddie, because, again, you are our North Carolina correspondent. You know this team, uh, Wake team extraordinarily well. Have they become underrated? I know they're top 10, and they've been perennial top 10, and they're hovering around a top eight seed. But I do feel as though we treat Wake 
as a tier two sort of team. We don't put them in the category of the TCUs, the Floridas, the Ohio States. I don't think we consider them national title contenders. And yet they've taken care of the business they've been asked to take care of. My question to you is, have they become underrated? Mm, I don't think so, Groskin. I, I think the way that we categorize Wake is right where they should be. You know, that tier two. I, I don't consider the Deeks up there with TCU and Ohio State and, you know, uh, Florida and Baylor, those squads. I, I don't. I think they are a little bit of a step below. They're a top 10 team, no doubt. And yeah, they've rolled through the ACC. Um they are a very, very good team. And, and yeah, I mean, they can put a scare into all of those teams that are ranked above them. But for me, I, I don't think they're going to win the title this year. I don't think they're going to make that run and, and beat, you know, two or three of those top five teams in a row. Um, yeah, they've had a great conference season, but they're not even number one in the ACC. I mean, I think Virginia is the best school in the conference. So, look, for me, Wake is right where they should be. They're a top 10 team. They are a really, really good squad. Um, I don't think they're underrated, though. I mean, I think the way that people are viewing them is right where they should be. So, I think back to the 2017 season where Wake, North Carolina, Virginia, all three extraordinary teams at the top of the ACC, they all battled and, you know, jockeyed for positioning all year long. Ultimately, all three make the quarterfinals and, you know, UNC yeah. beats Wake in that quarterfinal 4-3 match clinched by Bo Boyd and it was a thriller. Um I, what, the point I'm trying to say is I feel as though you could have multiple national title contenders within a single conference. And I know you're not denying sure. that, you know, the Big 12 is proof of that concept, of course. Yep. I guess my question is, has Wake been putting together the sort of scores against an ACC conference that we have said all year long? The depth in the conference is extraordinary, not just, you know, North Carolina, Duke, who we'll talk about here momentarily, NC State, of course, as well. But the Louisville's of the world playing really good ball this year. And, you know, we, you know, Miami, Florida State have all been flirting with the top 25 as well. Certainly Notre Dame's not a, a walkover match. And we saw Clemson today knock off Duke, which we can talk about in a second, Maddie. Chris, I'll pivot to you as well. The stats are tough for this Wake Forest team because they do pad the numbers with how many matches they play. That said, you look for this team, you know, 59 and 24 overall in doubles. They've been solid and they've played a bunch of different doubles teams, but they're going to be competitive in doubles. The key is, you know, again, they've been very good in singles action, particularly that depth shining through at the bottom of their lineup, whether it's Jakob Schneider, who's, you know, 21 and two overall on the year. Banthias 13 and two. Kungu seems to have found his form 14 and five. Melio, same deal, 15 and five. Uh, but, you know, they're all, uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting, uh, you know, some of the other players who have just found the rhythm here that the, the roster is so big over the course of the season. Again, where are you with this Wake Forest team, Chris? Well, I mean, my first question is, and I feel like we were, we followed Wake pretty closely early in the year. And the guy to me that was kind of, that seemed like he was, he was the exciting in the heart of that team was Maroney, who hasn't played in a month and a half. So, I, you yeah. know, I don't, and I don't, to me, yes, they've got all kinds of depth, but, he, but I think, I, I think they're going to need him. Uh, you know, they're, They've got Kangu back playing now. I mean, I think Schneider's been he's been huge for them down low in the lineup. At this point, with no Maroney, they're kind of 
you know, playing around with different options uh, at, at six maybe, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it, I don't think they're underrated. I think they're just a really good team. That's just a notch out of being one of those big contenders. They're just, you know, they're not, they're not strong enough really up top to deal with those top teams. That's going to, that's going to end up being, uh, I think a sore spot and, and, and without Maroney, it, it even gets a little bit tough down low. Yeah. I mean, I don't love Nava Gruskin, Nava and Karamov at one and two. I just like Chris just said, I don't love the the top of their lineup when you match them up with a lot of these other schools. Uh, I think they're lacking there. I know they have depth, but it's, it's not going to win them a title this year. It's not that kind of depth. Well, it's the depth that definitely separates you from the tier three schools, right? Those teams who aren't going to be hosting top 16. You're absolutely right. And you look for them against Duke, North Carolina this weekend. A, they take two doubles points. That's big for this Wake Forest team that has struggled with doubles dating back to the free Socos days where it was, all right, guys, we drop a doubles point, whatever, we'll go find four. Um, You know, against Duke this weekend, they take doubles, they take three, they take four, they take five. I mean, that's the core of a lineup right there. Wake Forest's depth wins out against North Carolina. Same deal. They take doubles, they take four, they take six. Then they get a win from Karamov at the number one spot over Seguin. So you just feel like anything they get up top is bonus is a bonus because of how good uh, they are with their depth. And you mentioned it even without Maroney, this team still has options. But I guess then to, to move away from Wake Forest, because certainly we know they're going to be in the mix, right? They are, you know, right now you look at the projected rankings, Wake Forest currently seven in the current rankings and the projected rankings. They're the number two seed in the ACC tournament. They're going to face, uh, I believe, Miami beat Georgia Tech today. So I think they're no, going to no, Tech one. No. Oh, wow. Good win for Georgia Tech. Much needed. But uh, so but Miami just beat Georgia Tech. It was this past weekend. That's the one that I'm missing, confusing in my head there. So Wake Forest going to take on Georgia attack then they're going to face the winner of north carolina nc state which is your other quarterfinal match in the acc tournament that's going to be fascinating and with that in mind let's move on to the other teams who are probably the more interesting of this north carolina quad because again we have talked all season what is this north carolina team i don't think any of us are are fairly certain you know what they look like on their best day they can be frisky and certainly this weekend they return the favor they were knocked off earlier this season in chapel hill 4-3 by nc state they go to nc state on sunday and after losing that match to wake forest they take a 4-3 victory now you look in this match for the Tar Heels, uh, I think obviously it's notable that uh, they drop the doubles point in this match, yet ultimately still find a way to earn the victory. And, you know, for them, it was Cernok jumping up to the number one spot. And here to win over Nava against Wake Forest, he gets a three-set win over Luque uh, here against NC State. They also get victories from Seguin at the number two spot. Murphy at the six spot. And then Logan Zapp with the clinch at the four. I mean, again, Maddie. It's a really nice win to win two, three set matches to clinch. If you're the Tar Heels, Cernok's legit. Like he has taken the leap this season. And last year he was the, all right, he's at four. He's our must have point. Well, when you go through a season like that, what it does for your confidence, you can just see it on court. Cernok is, again, I know this is one of those intangible things, but you can tell watching someone play. If you watch enough college tennis, the guys who just know how to win college tennis matches who have found that second gear. And Cernok has hit that gear this season. 
Yeah, of course. But I mean, look, I've always been a believer in Brian Cernock, big lefty, smooth game. I liked him coming into college. Um, So nothing that he does really surprises me, but he can't just be a one man show. I mean, this Carolina team, look, for me, I think it's all going to depend on their draw. You know, when we get to the NCAA tournament, I don't think they have a chance to make the quarterfinals. I mean, I think for them, if they get if they make the round of 16 and they win their first two rounds, that's going to be good enough for them. They're not going to get further than that. And I don't even know if they make the round of 16. It it all depends on the draw. Who do they play in that second round match? That's going to be, you know, for me, that's going to determine it. I know they had a good win over NC State. I was not there uh, for that particular match. But again, NC State is, you know, what do we value NC State? 20 in the country? I mean, we're not talking about a top 15, a top 10 school here. Here's where I would push back is you have to beat that team to get to the Sweet 16. And right now in the rankings, and Chris, Professor. They're going to have to beat somebody better than NC State to get to the Sweet. But here's the deal. Uh, Right now. Right now in the projected rankings, USC 14, Arizona 15, Stanford 16. Only make, one of those teams is winning the Pac-12 tournament. Make Here's that Arizona 16, Gruskin, because that loss today is not in yet. Well, so Carolina, so Carolina's on their heels, and that's where you're going to go. If they beat NC heels. State, hey, great they, yeah, if they beat NC State, they're, at least for the moment, into the top 16. So there's the so there's the answer to the question is because Arizona gets knocked off today by Washington. By the way, that's over two and a half, fellas. You're welcome. I'll take the victory. I'll see you in Champagne. You understand? I was we were talking conference tournament. Gruskin doesn't count. We were talking regular season. Regular super producer Daniel Westoff. I need a ruling out of you. That is come on to do it in this fashion. You're not going to count it. Were were they legit at two before today? I'm pretty sure they were legit at two because they got swept by Arizona. Yeah, today doesn't count. No, you're wrong. We're agreed to disagree. Actually, they won yesterday, didn't they? It was a Pac-12 match. Uh, That said, Arizona knocked off by Washington. So they now have no more opportunities for points leading into the NCAA tournament. USC Stanford, again, only one of those teams is going to win the Pac-12 tournament. I'm not sure what the draws look like. I'll try to pull that up. Or Chris, if you know it off the top of your head, please let me know. But again, North Carolina now faces NC State. If they win that match, Chris, is it as simple as, well, yeah, that will be good enough because you look behind North Carolina, Middle Tennessee, who drops a match to Tulsa, you know, San Diego beats Pepperdine, but they don't really have, you know, two WCC matches this weekend. Those aren't big point getters. Obviously, NC State plays North Carolina again here in the quarterfinals. I would argue both of those teams are probably still in the mix. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a given, but certainly should North Carolina knock off NC State tomorrow they will for the moment be a host. Uh, you know, they'll be a virt- in a virtual hosting spot at that point uh, and knocking Arizona out and in all likelihood, probably knocking Arizona out for good. Now, granted, North Carolina, barring winning the entire tournament, still has to lose a match, which will, you know, drop them some, not a lot though, considering it's likely to be, you know, Wake Forest Wake. Or, or Virginia, right? And the, and the Pac-12, yeah, I, I mean, I've got the Pac-12 draw. I, for you know that Washington now gets UCLA and the other side is uh and I don't even know if those matches have been played yet it's the USC Cal winner against Stanford Arizona State winner okay no I mean again you look further down the rankings Pepperdine they don't have much left Duke knocked off by Clemson A&M knocked out by Arkansas Louisville sure if 
they go on a run here. Although, did they win today or did they get knocked off? No, they're it, they didn't Louisville play. play. They're, they're the yeah. fourth. Yeah, exactly. So they they could hypothetically go on a run, but like that's another interconference sort of run. We're down to the wire, folks. Like we know who our teams are going to be. We play our game cross off with the rankings. Well, we have our final, you know, five, six teams competing for those final top 16 spots identified now. North Carolina stays alive with that win over NC State. And again, we're going to do a, a not a 30 for 30, but like a four for four on Logan Zapp and just be like why this Logan Zapp career might have been the most fascinating thing to happen in college tennis over the past 18 months because he's their swing player. Like when he wins, they win. When he does not win, they do not win because you know like Zapp's going to scrap. I mean, sorry, too easy. Hey, great shot. No one is going to give me a hey, great shot. Come on. That was a layup. Um, But Cernok's going to do his thing. You know, Kiger, Cernok, Seguin, I like the pieces they have in doubles as well. And, you know, they're scrappy at the same time for this NC State team. You know, they get a big win. And, Maddie, you were there, so I want you to break it down for us. They knock off Duke at home, and you look for NC State now. Again, they are very much in the hunt uh, for a top 16 seed. They beat Virginia Tech today 4-1. They've got another shot at UNC, who they beat 4-3 in Chapel Hill earlier this season. It was a 4-0 win for NC State over your Blue Devils, Maddie. Give me a reaction from, you know, give me a reaction from the scene. Well, the Wolfpack earned that one. I mean, they showed up ready to play. I mean, it was pretty apparent just from doubles. I mean, I hate to say this, but Duke just wasn't prepared for that match. It didn't look like they came out ready to go. The Wolfpack jumped on them immediately, got out to quick leads in doubles, breaks on almost every court. Now, I will say for Duke on court two, Garrett Johns and Mike Mike Heller did come back um, in that court two doubles match and put up a good fight. But, man, doubles went pretty quickly. And then in singles, you know, they win five first sets. That's NC State. They just jumped on them. They were the more prepared team. They played well on almost every single court. Um, and Duke just wasn't prepared to win that match. So, yeah, no, it there really isn't too much to talk about. It was it was pretty much just a blowout, uh, a good old butt whooping. NC State earned it. Um, tough for me to watch, but um, it is what it is. And now, you know, NC State gets another shot at UNC. They played twice already this year. They've split those matches. They were both close. That's a big-time match tomorrow at the ACC tournament. Yeah. Talk to me about the gap between one and six there. Talk to me about Luke, who gets a really good straight set win there over Garrett Johns. Yeah, he's consistent. I mean, he's, That's he's not overly flashy. Team. It feels like all these NC State guys, they're just – we're going to get our two and a half hours, and, and if you can hang with us, good luck. Yeah, they're solid. I mean, he's Kierdo. He he is he's smooth. He's a bigger guy. I mean, he's yeah. not small, um, but he doesn't have an overly flashy game. He can hit big when he wants to, but he plays a more consistent type of a game. He's solid all around. Good ground strokes. He can come in and play at the net if he has to and transition. Holds his serve pretty well. I mean, I like him to a certain extent, right? I mean, now he's not going to beat the top guys in the country. He's not at that level, but, um, you know, I I thought it was a really good win over Garrett. I mean, I thought that was a match that for Duke, you look at it on paper and go, man, Garrett Johns should probably win this match if Duke's going to beat NC State here. Um, You know, and Rafa said, you know, no way, that's not happening here. So, yeah, no, look, NC State, we know they're solid one through six, lots of good players, Um, but again, 
I mean, top 16, if we're talking NC, like where are they going to finish, right? I don't think NC State can make a quarterfinal run. I just, I don't think, not this year, maybe next year. Fair. Chris? Yeah, I mean, say I as far as NC State goes, yeah. I, be, I mean, they're hoping, in, you know, I actually think for them to not have a great run and host might be more advantageous only because if they if they do get into a hosting spot it's going to be like the 15 16 spot and okay you know welcome to florida or whoever in you know in that quarterfinal round i'd yeah. almost you know at at that point i'd almost rather be like you know 18 19 and hope to get sent to like the 8 9 site you know <laughs> Uh, and, and make somewhere where you feel like maybe you do have a you you because I, they're good enough that they've got a shot. They're not going to probably knock off a top five team, but you give them one of the bottom half of that top eight. They might be able to go, you know, potentially could go on the road somewhere and and do it. You know, you never know. That's tough. You got to go somewhere and win the round of 16 and then go on the road again and, and do it. Yeah, very tough. But no, it's it'll be interesting because the winner of that match Carolina wins it. They're definitely in the, in, in a virtual hosting spot NC state win it wins it. I think they're still sitting just outside, but they're close and need one more to get into that top 16 spot. And, you know, there's no way in hell they're thinking like I am like, Oh, might not be, might be better to not be a 16. They absolutely <laughs> want to be a 16 and host. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, but I'm, I'm looking really forward to that, to that rematch. I have not looked at the schedule for tomorrow. So based on who's playing at the same time, will that be the match that's on the live stream? It's a good question. I'm not exactly sure how the mechanics of the live stream work. I know there are two. Mm, you yeah, imagine, I don't know. They the both seed. have two matches simultaneously. Yeah. It's got to be one the higher seed. Video. It's got to be the higher seed. Yeah. It's going to be Wake Forest. Yeah. So that means this match probably we're, we're relegated to, to, I won't even call it live scoring. We're relegated to semi live scoring because they're in Rome and somebody's walking around looking at the scorecards updating online. All I'm saying is if we have another Eduardo Nava bathroom incident, I'm going to be furious. Okay. Like I, I need the live streaming right away. Um, with that said, last part of this equation, and we'll do this one quickly. Duke's lost three in a row. They go into this weekend, drop matches, obviously to wake Forest and NC state on the road. But now they drop a match today for three to Clemson and look, they're going to get in to the NCAA tournament, Maddie, where are you at though with the blue devils? Yeah, it's tough, man. I, and they were playing so well before on last week's show, right? We were so optimistic about Duke and, and now, you know, the way that they performed at NC state, I was in the house and I was just, it, it was not impressive whatsoever. And I think yeah. they played better at wake, right? You go on the road in Winston Salem, you know, you have to bring your best tennis against that wake forest team. And they were closer. I think they played a much better match. I wasn't there, but just from following it, talking to people, um, I think they played a better match in Winston-Salem. But, man, to lose to Clemson today, that's a dagger. I mean, for me, that's almost unacceptable. You cannot lose that match to Clemson. Clemson beats Boston College in the in the virtual play-in match, right, yesterday or whatever it is. That is a match that you have to win if you're Duke, because if they win it, you're playing Louisville. Like I thought Duke had a real opportunity to get to the semifinals of the ACC tournament here. You beat Clemson, you get another matchup with Louisville, which is a winnable match. It's difficult, but 
to drop that to Clemson, man, super, super disappointing. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of Duke right now. I mean, I think we need to get Sean Scully back. I mean, he's got to be in there in doubles and potentially singles. Um, it's it's not looking great as they head into NCAAs. So it's it's tough, man. It's going to be interesting to see where they're put as well. And will they yeah. be a two seed? Will they be a three seed? Because now they're right on that border as well. Final word goes to you, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, I th- it, it, I'm, I'm big on the momentum. Losing three matches in a row, I don't have a lot of hope for these guys. I mean, clearly they're not, uh, I mean, and they should be a two, you know, a quote unquote two. The problem is, well, if they're a two, they're a two. But because of the way they, they place the teams now, you could have two twos at a site or you could have two threes at a site without a two, uh, you know, because it's, it's more geography based to limit the number of flights. But, but yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't look super promising to me. Uh, I'm, I was more interested to see what are the odds Clemson actually sneaks in. Louisville's not an unwinnable match for them, but it's not quite enough. And they're not going to get another one after that. So uh, it, it will likely be uh, a case of too little too late for them, but still a good, a good win for them. They, I mean, they've Clemson's come on here at the end of the season with a couple nice wins. They beat Florida state. They beat Duke now. Yeah, no, they're the Nebraska of the ACC. Um, I would argue, you know, the big thing, this Duke team brings most of their pieces back next season, but with the, how promising the start was particularly in ACC play and, you know, you beat North Carolina, it's all rolling your way and just, you know, things slow down uh, for the Blue Devils down the season home stretch. And yeah, it's limping into postseason play. Now they've got some time to recuperate, certainly, but uh, that was a disappointing weekend. And certainly they would have hoped to at least go one in one, but Shout out to me and Chris. We got it right. Good predictions, Chris. Fist pump through the uh, through the camera screen there as we get the job done. That no, said, you didn't. No, you didn't. I, well, Chris- Gruskin did better than me because I no, yeah, Gruskin actually called it correct. Yeah. I said that I, I said that NC State would go two and zero. Oh. I that's we right. Both called the Duke zero and two, but I thought NC State would get the other home win. Oh. That's right. So you're saying it was just all right. This pump was, for Alex. It was um, just you, Gruskin, just like the Arkansas call last night. This is getting painful. It's rare. You know what it is, and not to brag on myself. It's just because we're doing our streams here at Cracked Rackets. I have watched so much freaking college tennis this year. Not saying I wasn't before, but now I really do see everybody. And I mean, the best part about tennis is it is a sport you can watch with your eyes and identify you're good. You're okay. Like you probably need a little work and some of these teams you can tell um, certainly, but that said, um, yeah, I'm telling you that North Carolina, North Carolina state match confirmation, unfortunately not going to be on stream to anyone in the crowd, tweet out those videos. You tag us, we'll retweet it. Uh, We want to see as many highlights from that match as we can, because that's a very fun rematch and always fun. As we say, Uh, it's really hard to beat a team twice in a row, given uh, in a week span. So we'll see uh, what happens there in that battle for North Carolina rematch with that in mind let's move on here uh, to some of the other action that happened outside of the state of North Carolina and you know one of the big results and a team we'd been monitoring and I know we talked about this on our SEC podcast Chris which everyone can go listen to on the Great Shot podcast feed but Vanderbilt officially knocked out NCAA tournament play and they had their opportunity certainly but you look for this Vanderbilt team knocked out by Mississippi State 6-1 knocked out by Mississippi 5-2 then they lose yesterday to Alabama 4-3 and you know mathematically that probably is the nail in the coffin but you know Maddie this team I believe was 12-1 and 
in non-conference play. Got a huge win over North Carolina. A big win, I believe, over Columbia as well. And look, they played a bunch of teams tight throughout the course of the SEC season. You think about the LSU match. You think about the Tennessee match at the same time. Is this a disappointment? For this Vanderbilt team, who we didn't have expectations for coming in the year, but you know, right. to be so close and come up just short. I know. Oh, I mean, for them, of course, it's disappointing. Yeah. You know, inside that locker room, they're extremely disappointed. But I think on the outside, yeah. like you just said, Gruskin, what were the expectations coming into the year? I don't think us, I don't think we can look at it and say it was a disappointing season. I mean, they play in the SEC. There's so many good teams. Vandy's always at the bottom of the SEC every single year. So no, for me, I don't look at it as a disappointment at all. I didn't have any expectations for this team, but you know, they're looking at it going, man, if we had just won one or two more matches, you know, if we beat Ole Miss or, you know, we beat Bama in, in the SEC tournament, you know, they they string a couple more together then yeah, they, they make it in there. But, you know, I'm for me, no big deal. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is one though I have to take the L on because I was high on this Vanderbilt team. I watched yeah, you them were. play. I thought they were good in doubles just across the board. And I do think pieces like Clopper and, uh, you know, some of the guys they bring back, I think there are things to build around moving forward. I would push back against you, you know, the Gonzalez Austin's te- uh, teams, they were sweet 16 ish, you know, they were, they were yeah. not bottom of the sec it, it, Vanderbilt tennis has been better uh, in recent memory. My whole argument though, is look at the success they've had on the women's side. And I think on paper Vanderbilt, which, you know, is not an athletic, you know, an athletic centric school, obviously more academic centric, more academically rigorous. That said, it's an SEC school. It's a gorgeous freaking campus. Vanderbilt's one of those hidden gems that you just feel like if they get things clicking could be has perennial top 16 upside. And I don't think you can say that about every program, Chris. And it just felt like things Maybe, you know, again, it felt like there was a little spark there at the start of the season. This is a program I'm watching heading into the offseason of next year. Yeah, they, I mean, they got off to a good start. And I have to. So first, before Parsa sends me more messages with corrections <laughs> for you, they played neither North Carolina or Columbia this year. They did beat Northwestern. No, did uh, I say North Carolina? Uh, Carolina. I said I North Carolina. I meant and then you said Columbia. I don't even. And I think that was supposed to be Cornell. Oh, did uh, I, yeah. OK. <laughs> Look, it's been a long night. All right, let's keep going. Yes, thank you. Thank you. But yeah, no, I mean, it, they did. They got off to a really good start and and it looked like Harwell and Freeman, you know, the 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 fifth year guys that were going to carry that team were were going to get off and, and going well. And it just, you know, it never materialized once they hit the SEC season. They started off with a couple of those good out of conference wins. And, you know, like you said, they went, you know, they go two and ten, uh, in the sec and, and then to finish it off with the loss to, to Alabama who hadn't, who went winless in the sec. It was definitely a disappointing year. Yeah. It's a team to watch. It's a, you know, I look at them, the trouble that they, that they're going to have is much like those Ivy league teams in that you can't just go recruit anybody because of the academic quality of the school, right? They can't just, just bring in really good tennis players they have to be really good students too. Uh, and so it's a, it's a little bit tougher there to, to find that type of kid, but yeah, it's a great place to go. You're in, and if you're going there, you're getting that education. Uh, you know, that's, it, you're going to, you have opportunities. So there is a draw to go there, but it takes a, it's a, it's, it's a tough recruit. So it'll be interesting to see how they fill that class when they lose Harwell and Freeman out of there. 
on excuse me on paper maddie and don't get mad at me how are you ian on paper you get a columbia offer you get a vanderbilt offer where are you going I mean, there's so many factors that play into it, right? I mean, you're asking me one or the other, but what are the circumstances? I mean, Columbia is the better. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Columbia is ranked always higher usually than Vandy is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I guess it was my me- argument would be any kid who's going to an I- Ivy League school, Vanderbilt should be sniffing around, right? Like, yeah, that's my if- argument, Chris. Right, right, sorry, go but- ahead, Maddie. If you want to play in the SEC, like if you're looking to play against guys that play for Florida and for Tennessee and for Kentucky, you know, maybe you go to Vandy. Obviously, when you're, you know, when you're at Columbia, you're playing in the Ivy League. It's a little bit different. But but hey, I mean, Columbia, man, I mean, if you want to build it, if you want to be part of a team that could make a bit of a run, especially during the indoor season and everything, Columbia's shown that they can do that. Um, so I don't know. There's so many factors that go into it. Chris, final word goes to you. Yeah, I certainly, I I'm with Maddie on that. It's, I think it's circumstance dependent. Are you there for, for the tennis reasons for the academic? And even if you're there for the tennis reasons, are you there to try to finish as highly ranked as you can? You're probably yeah. not winning a national title title at either place. Columbia has probably got the shot at finishing higher in the rankings. Vanderbilt's got the shot of giving you better play just because yeah. you're playing the sec schedule. So you know, a lot of different factors. It's really what, what the kid's looking for. But I mean, I, I don't feel sorry for any kid that's got offers from Columbia and, and Vanderbilt. He's going to do just fine. It's funny. <laughs> You're, uh, I'd say you guys have been listening too much to the Cracked Interviews podcast, but I know for a fact that neither of you listen to the Cracked Interviews <laughs> podcast. So, uh, yeah, um, no, I, it's fair. It's very circumstantial. All I'm saying is I think they can be the same tier sort of program. I think everything Columbia does, Vanderbilt should be capable of doing as well. And again, this is a step in the right direction after a couple of tough years uh, for this Vanderbilt team. With that said, let's look to some of the conference champs we were able to crown over the past couple of uh, over the past weekend, because we do have some regular season action completed. Congrats to Florida who runs the gauntlet again, undefeated in sec regular season play, Chris. I mean, only one win this weekend over Texas A&M, but this Florida team has rounded into form. I mean, I assume all three of us are voting them number one right now in our, in our rankings. We are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're good, Maddie. They're very freaking good. They are my pick to win it all. Remember preseason. I said, Hey, I think by the end of the year, Florida's going to show that they are the best team outdoors. Nothing that I've seen has changed my mind. They are my number one team. Chris and I pondered this yesterday. I just want to throw this at you. We're playing a way too early 2022-2023 speculation. Of, I mean, again, right now, Tanner Stump confirmed Parsa Bomb. He's out. You know, he's leaving, uh, leaving his position. He's been so instrumental in their rise and everything Tanner does from a recruiting standpoint, on court, et cetera. If this team goes back to back, I mean, do you think we see the mass exodus? Do we? Do you think we see Shelton go pro? Riffis is leaving, who they just honored yeah. on senior day. Vale and Drade, Seymour. Do you think they're all gone? I do. Yeah, if they, I, I think so. I mean, at that point, it'll be time to move on. Um, you know, what, what else is there to prove, right? At the collegiate level, what else do you need to do? You go back to back. Yeah, I think they're gone. One more season of Greif? Like, is that his year? <laughs> okay, so the other question I posed to Chris was, if Shelton, if Shelton or Riffis comes back, do you still have this team preseason top five? 
Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but but I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I don't think it, that'll be the case if they win it this year. That That's the bet we need to lay, Gruskin, for whatever la- the last match is for Florida, whether that's the title match or whenever they happen to lose. Yep. The number of single starters in the final match this year that are in on the roster next season. And I don't know if that I don't know if that over under is a half or one and a half, but it's one of those two numbers. I guess it's got to be one and a half. Well, it really just depends who's playing six. Is it Benetto? Is it Goodger? Like, is Seymour in the lineup? What are we doing here? That's the question. I don't think Goodger even has eligibility. I think Goodger's done, isn't he? Well, that's what I'm saying is it depends if he's in the lineup or not, right? Like, all All these different things still matter. Yeah, like if it was was Seymour Goodger who were gone, then. (laughs) Vale's <laughs> you know, yeah. gone. Uh, you know, Andrade's gone. Then they're it's, all gone. Matter, no, yeah, I mean, it's a matter same... of Duripas or Shout come back. But yeah, if Benetto starts, then for sure you see that one coming. Back. I made this so, same joke yex- yesterday, but Axel Neve is going to roll into town and be like, wait, wh- where'd everyone go? Like, was it me? Was it something I said? Like, oh my God. Um, no, I. it's a fascinating wrinkle heading into 2023. And we're still focusing on 2022, obviously, but shout out to the Gators another conference title and you know they did it in 2019 they're doing it here in 2022 as well what this group of riff you know what this nucleus riff is valley andrade has accomplished in their time together uh they're in the record books they're in the history books we'll talk about this era of florida tennis for as long as we're doing this show shout out to tcu Big 12 champs and you know it was the three versus the three texas baylor uh and uh, TCU facing Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State this weekend and whatever different permutations. Ultimately, TCU goes undefeated in conference play. And yeah, it's worth remembering they lost the match to Baylor uh, in a non-conference match. But ultimately, you look for the Horned Frogs. I mean, this is all we could have asked from them, right, Maddie? Oh, yeah. No, they deserved it. They've been dominant. I mean, national indoor champs, right? I mean, this team has been really good from the start of the year. I'm not surprised that they won the Big 12. You know, it came down to that match against Baylor. And it is funny because Baylor clipped them the week before in a non-conference match. But um, that's just how it goes, you know. No, they beat them in the- Fort Worth and then they lost in Waco. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, you know, sometimes that that happens. Not too surprising. Um, yeah, TCU, I mean, well-earned, and I, I think they deserve to win. You know, if you really look at it overall this year and you stack up the Frogs with Baylor, with Oklahoma, with Texas, with Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, all six of those teams, I think we can all probably agree that TCU deserved to, to win the conference this year. I mean, that to me, I think that's kind of a no brainer just based on how all these teams played throughout the year. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you look for this team. Famba's been great. Fernley's been great. Juan Carlos Aguilar has been a fantastic addition. Now, again, how a Jong, I don't want to leave him out. And obviously Vives and uh, Louis Mar- uh, Maxted as freshmen have come in and been able to both contribute successfully is the key still just for this team? Are they healthy entering the postseason? Because again, that has been the one trade. And we haven't talked about this team much simply put because they've cruised through their matches. They lost, you know, again, a loss to Baylor, a loss to Michigan, a loss to Tennessee at home in like the first weekend of the season. That's it for this TCU team. They've done everything that's been asked of them, Chris. They are that good. They're an unequivocal tier one. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, to me, it, it is a matter of, yes, are they healthy and and who's playing? And we've seen so many variations of, of guys in the lineup with, you know, 
Rule coming in and getting playing time. Viva's sitting out. Jirasek being out. Now Jirasek playing again. Maxted being out. Now Maxted playing. I have no idea what that lineup's going to look like other than the only two guys that I'm really confident are for sure going to play are Famba and Jong. I mean, <laughs> after that, I I never know, you know, who it's going to be, but they've, you know, they're, they're good. And as long as they're healthy and that's really a, as long as that's a coach's decision and, and not a, Hey, that's what we're forced to play because we've got some guys hurt. Then yeah, they're, they're clearly one of the top, one of the top contenders for the title. Yeah. I mean, I think we know Aguilar and Fernley are going to be in that lineup as well. And again, you look for them Famba 13 and four on the year Aguilar 13 and six Jong's 19 and four. He really has stepped up this season and Fernley 15 and five. Now beyond that core, there has been a mix. Vivez, 10 and 5. Maxted, 8 and 6. Jirasek, 6 and 5. Four of their guys are for sure locked into the lineup. What they do beyond that and what the permutations, combinations look like are certainly a question. Now, Famba and Fernley, 17 and 4. Jong and Maxted, 15 and 4. You know what the top half of doubles looks like. You know what the top half of the singles looks like. Now, this team has guys, but you're right. That is a question is what guys go where and what is the best combination at the indoors? It was Vivez four, Fernley five, and then a combination of Maxton and Jurasek at six. Always amazing. Four months later, we're still not 100% confident what that combination is going to look like in the Big 12 tournament. But again, credit to TCU, who is just taking care of business uh, throughout the course of this season. Virginia, same deal, undefeated ACC season, second consecutive year. And, you know, they've got to hit, what is it, 134, 135 was the win streak that the Boland era teams accomplished. But Montez, Von der Schulenberg, Rodash, they've got their own streak rocking and rolling now. That's two straight seasons, undefeated play. I think we all know this. I mean, we'll talk about them after the postseason tournament because that ACC conference promises to be fascinating. The last thing I want to get to here, Arizona and the Pac-12. What the hell are we going to do with this Pac-12 conference? And, you know, again, looking at the results that unfolded over the course of the past weekend, uh, you know, I just have a list of bullet points here I want to refer to as we look uh, at this Pac-12. Right now, again, Arizona clinches the regular season conference title. They go undefeated in Pac-12 play. They beat USC on the road. They beat Stanford. They beat Cal. They beat everyone. Again, undefeated in conference play. Well, then they lose a match to a desperate Washington team. And credit to Washington, who goes 0-2 against the Arizona swing. Lost to Arizona, lost to Arizona State literally this past weekend. A wise man once said it's damn near impossible to defeat a team two times in a row in five days. We see that theory playing out once again. What do we do with Arizona now? Will they manage to hold on to a top 16 seed? It's unclear. You look at USC outside of that Arizona match. They finish the season. Pretty strong uh, in conference play. Dostinick has looked, if not, you know, the best, one of the five best players in college tennis. And you look for this team again, 18 and five overall, seven and one in conference play. They're, you know, they've won, I believe now seven in a row, including win over Stanford and, you know, at Washington, at UCLA, at Utah. Nice 4-0 win over San Diego, who's a top 20 team right now as well. I think we all agree. USC is trending in the right direction. Beyond that, I think your anyone's guess is as good as what we're going to say here on this podcast. I mean, Utah gets blitzed by USC, blitzes UCLA 4-0. But then, of course, UCLA beats Utah today to stay alive. And 
this is maybe the biggest story in college tennis that we're not going to dwell on because we're a glass half full sort of show. But UCLA has never, let me repeat, UCLA has never missed the NCAA tournament in their program history. As of right now, you look at the projected rankings coming into today. UCLA, number 46 in the current rankings, 44 in the projected rankings, 13 and 11 overall. They beat Utah to hang on for dear life. And so, again, this UCLA team who has not had um, uh, has not had Drew Baird uh, for the majority of this season. You know, he's been out They're finding ways to survive Washington. I mentioned Owen two, but then they beat Arizona earlier today. Oregon got a much needed four one win over Arizona state. And again, as of right now, USC, Arizona, Stanford, they're all on the top 16 bubble. Utah is the only team now that they've lost. They're in like their story written. They're into the NCAA tournament, but Washington, Cal, UCLA, Oregon, they're all on the bubble. And so I'm going to go to the professor first here, Maddie. Chris, help us sift through the Pac-12. What exactly is happening out West? Well, man, I'll tell you what. It sets up a really, really interesting match tomorrow because right now, after that UCLA win, we've got them sitting 44, Washington, and after the Washington win over Arizona, Washington sitting 46, the cut line figuring to be in the 43, 44, it's usually between 42 and 44. It looks like probably a winner's in loser goes home match. I mean, if UCLA wins they're they're in the couple spots higher, they are moves them up a little bit more. I was just going to punch in. If Washington wins, I think it still might be the case that, that Washington gets in the tournament which would make for just a fascinating matchup. Like you said, UCLA never missed the tournament. It would be hard to imagine uh, UCLA not making it. Washington, even with the win, goes to 43. You still have to lose a match if you don't win the whole tournament. So they they may need that and another. It's a little tougher road for them. UCLA, I think if they win the match, they're in. But yeah, what to make of the Pac-12? Same thing we've said all year. Who? I mean, who knows? Arizona, if they're on, seems like the best team. They seemed like the hottest team until today. Now I go back to USC. Uh, I don't I don't have just the lack of momentum in Stanford. Doesn't make me feel great things about them. But, you know, they could just run the run the tide and, and, and win the Pac-12 tournament. You know, who knows what's going to happen out there? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. UCLA lost to U- uh, lost to Washington 5-1 at Washington in the regular season. They took the doubles point Washington five straight set victories in singles, including a one and two win at one, four and zero win at three, three and two win at the number six spot. It was a dominant performance for the Huskies at home. Now they're not at home uh, for this Pac-12 event, but 
and, and we're outdoors, certainly as well, in the Ojai, a place that has been so generous to this UCLA Bruins team. And again, this UCLA Bruins team and Washington, desperation, as we talked about at the start of the show. This is a cross-off match, right? Loser goes home is, I think, the For standard sure. we are setting here. And so, I mean, Maddie, give me your thoughts on the Pac-12. Again, where are you with the top 16 teams? Arizona losing today, but they built all of this momentum and USC clearly on the rise. Stanford's in permanent purgatory. Like that's one tier. Tier number two, like Cal, UCLA, Washington. Again, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, I mean, but I kind of knew this was going to happen, guys. Remember preseason, we were talking about it. The Pac-12 is so open, more open than it's been in my recent memory. I mean, I can't think of a year where heading into it, we were like, oh, shoot, is it going to be Arizona? Is it UCL, uh, you know, USC? Is it Stamp? Like, who's going to win? Who are the good teams? We knew that there was the potential for this type of chaos to happen. I didn't see the Arizona match today, so I don't know what happened there. Did they take them lightly? You know, they had already beaten Washington earlier in the season. You mentioned that, Gruskin. That was in Tucson. Um, so they won that match at home. Did Arizona just take them lightly today? I mean, they didn't show up. I don't know. I didn't see that match. But um, that is definitely surprising to me just because Arizona had been so hot. And, yeah, no, now I would say the favorite is probably the Trojans. Um, I probably have more confidence in them than any team remaining. You know, I don't really have any confidence in UCLA, but – Certainly, I think they could beat Washington. I know you mentioned that they did lose that match 5-1 earlier this season, but now they're outdoors, you know, they're in California. I think they could beat Washington tomorrow um, and, and potentially make the tournament. It would be shocking if they missed. Like you said, they've never missed, ever, never missed the tournament. So that would be uh, really interesting, but I don't know, man. None of these teams to me are really a, a big threat. You know, <laughs> Arizona, I still believe, has the most one through six or one through eight or whatever it is. I, I think they have the potential to get the hottest. And we saw that. I mean, over the past few weeks, they had ripped off a bunch of matches. I still think they're dangerous in the NCAA tournament, probably more dangerous than USC or Stanford. But my confidence isn't super high. I mean, we'll see what kind of draw they get, Arizona. Um, but yeah, no, now let's, let's have USC and Stanford battle it out. You know, that'll be a semifinal match and obviously UCLA and Washington and the other, I mean, it's going to come down to USC or Stanford. Whoever wins that match is going to win the tournament. Going to get funky promises that. And again, it should be a fun PAC 12 tournament with that said, let me make yeah. one correction, Gruskin. I, I had said Washington was pro was lower. I had neglected to put in today's win over uh, over Arizona. They're actually sitting in at the moment. And if they lose tomorrow, they go to the they only go to 42. So they're actually for the moment, even still in with a loss, technically might be able to squeak in if they lose. I still think the numbers will move up. Uh, and they would get bumped, and it's probably a loser go home. For sure, UCLA is a must-win. Washington maybe could squeak in even with the loss, uh, but I think it's a I think it's a winner's end, loser goes home type scenario. Yeah, no, I like it. Well, with that said, let's move on to some of the other results we saw throughout the course of the weekend. And shout out to me 
bearing the Ohio State 4-1 victory over Michigan until we're 55 minutes into this podcast. But certainly that was the notable result. Now, here is my trivia question to both of you. Only two teams took points from the Buckeyes at home this season. Michigan, one of them in their 4-1 loss. Uh, Can you name, though, the second team to take a point off of Ohio State this season? And I got this trivia. So I asked this trivia at our tennis, we went to Tennis Point uh, HQ earlier or yesterday, excuse me, and I asked Nate Walrath of Tennis Point this question. He went to this school and he could not remember this fact. This is not, it's, it, this is going to be a tricky trivia question. Again, two points Ohio State lost in the Ty Tucker Tennis Center this season. Just two points. One of them to Michigan. Can you name the second? Well, no, I can't. But is it a, you at least got, is it a conference match? Well, because my first inclination, and I don't even know if that match was at home or away, would be Northwestern. That's what I was going to say. Incorrect. The match was at home, 4-0 victory. The Buckeyes cruised against Northwestern. Okay. Do you want the answer? It's not Kentucky. It's not Virginia. Uh, mm. I mean, if you tell me it's Purdue, I'm just going to – I'm closing the laptop lid right now. You're going to close the laptop even more. Xavier. Don't you remember Diego oh, Nava knocking off Cannon Kingsley first yeah. weekend of the season? That's the yeah. only other point the Buckeyes dropped in Columbus this season. Here's what I'm trying to say. I actually am going to, I'm going to pivot here. Spin zone, impressive win for the Buckeyes. No doubt about it. 7-5 win for Cash and Votes over Fenty and Aaron Schneider. 6-4 win for Luchanigan Boulay, who are, you know, again, Luchanik Boulay, Luchanik Trotter, legitimate options uh, for this Ohio State Buckeyes team. And I know Gary and Columbus, I know you knew the answer before either of these guys knew it well. I'm really upset that you told me you went to Tennis Point because I knew you were in Cincinnati and that should have immediately triggered the Xavier thought. Yeah, and, and exactly. It Look, uh, you're better than that. Um, here's yeah. the thing. Bickerstaff gets the uh, gets the three set win over Robert Cash. And obviously that was a match Michigan had to have at that number five spot, particularly with how Bickerstaff's played. Here would be my my spin zone for the Wolverines on the road against the Buckeyes. They were they hung tough in that doubles point again. Seven five loss at one. It's six five on serve at two. You know four of the six singles matches in Columbus, a place where they had not dropped a point since you know Xavier in the first weekend of the season. Michigan takes, you know, four of the singles matches, three sets. And, you know, Maloney, Tracy, or excuse me, Maloney goes three sets with Fenty after going three sets with Tracy earlier in the season. He's just legitimately top three good. I think we've learned that this season. You know, again, Trotter, Beatty at that number six spot, a little lineup chicanery doesn't matter. Beatty proves he is a legitimate option uh, with nationally against anyone at that number six spot. The disappointment is certainly Andrew Fenty, who doesn't need to be told that. Also, given all of Gavin Young's successes to lose one and three to Van Emberg, that hurts. But it's a freshman in Columbus, 700 screaming Buckeye fans on top of him for the first time in his career. I know I'm monologuing here and playing defense for the Wolverines. Again, all credit to Ohio State. They earned it. Kingsley versus Styler, that could be an NCAA singles final. It would be worthy of the occasion. That was a pro tennis match with the plus one ball those two were playing. Buckeyes win, but my spin zone here's that to, for Michigan to go on the road four one four three set singles matches like they proved it. There are no more doubts. I know they didn't win, but Maddie, they're legit. Well, yeah, but we we already knew this coming in. No, I don't think anything. That I don't they think did... that's true. I, okay, maybe it's me then because that I, might be you. Yeah, like, Matt, Maddie and I have been voting them number two for the last right. like, 
three or four weeks until they lost this match. Yeah. This yeah. to me might be the most impressive thing we've done all season because well, that Columbus, just Ohio State doesn't lose in Columbus. And we almost had them. Like we played yeah, well, pretty damn well. Gruskin, if you remember last week's show, I picked Ohio State 4 3. I thought it was going to be close. I knew it was probably going to be close. So, no, this doesn't surprise me. I saw this coming. Someone said 4 1, Gruskin. <laughs> It's true. A wise professor did predict 4-1. Here's the thing, though. It was a really close 4-1. And why this gives me confidence is now let's say Michigan ends up as a nine seed and has to go on the road. And, you know, I appreciate the confirmation from Gary Young, who confirms Kingsley Styler was that good, and as we saw on camera. But if Michigan has to go on the road to a Wake Forest or to a Georgia or a South Carolina – for them to have, you know, again, I don't think there's a tougher environment than against Ohio State on a Friday night. I feel good about this Wolverine team, how they've comported themselves and competed in their road matches to beat TCU, drop close matches to Wake Forest and Ohio State. They're just on the level like this season. That's clear uh, for the Wolverines. That said, Ohio State dropped two points at home this season. Two points. That's ridiculous. Shout out to the Bucks. OH, like you earned it. Uh, no doubt about that. With that in mind, let's move on to our next best of the rest. San Diego, 4-1 over Pepperdine to take command of the WCC. Now you look in the projected rankings right now for the San Diego team. Still not a top 16 team. That said, San Diego right now, 19th in the projected rankings. And again, they're 18-3 and overall on the year. You would argue, well, You know, outside of a loss to SMU, you would say that SMU loss might be their one bad loss. SMU is 25 in the projected rankings. That is not a bad loss, given what we've seen from the Mustangs this season. San Diego, 18-3. and It's not just Holmgren. Like, again, there is legitimate depth on this team. And we didn't talk about them the way we talked about Pepperdine at the start of the season. That's my fault, or at least I didn't. I should have. I want no part. You know, again. USC, Stanford, Arizona, Pepperdine, San Diego. You can't stick all five of those teams in a single region. A couple of them are going to get shipped out as dangerous number two seeds. I would want no part of San Diego in my region because I already think even at home, like, well, they have Holmgren. So we're probably losing that top spot. Like, we're going to need some other guys to pull through. They're just a nightmare matchup, Chris. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Davies at six has been great. I mean, it's, ah, yeah, I I definitely don't want to see them. I've been, you know, as we were uh, messaging with our good buddy Parsa today, uh, they finally cracked our cracked rackets top 16. I've put them, I've had them 16 the last four weeks. Uh, I think the win over, you know, that win over Pepperdine finally got them on, on the rest of our, uh, our staff's radar to to at least make them get there in in our combined rankings, but yeah, that's a it's not an, again. It's one of those teams that I'm not concerned really. If I'm one of those top eight teams, I'm not overly concerned about them. But if I'm you know if I'm the the bottom, if I see San Diego as a two seed and I'm one of those 14, 15, 16 teams, I'm not necessarily looking forward to to running into them, especially you know matchup dependent if if knowing that they've got home green at one and if that's your if that's your strength on your team you're going man that becomes a clutch like we need that win because if we let them get that and then my other spots are weak and they can take advantage that's you know it could be a matchup nightmare for the wrong team for sure yeah maddie 
Yeah, I think you guys have been a little bit higher than I have on San Diego for most of this season. Big win over Pepperdine. I, you know, that's, I was impressed by that. And I agree with Chris. I don't think they're a threat to the top eight to 10 teams, but man, if they're the two seed and you're one of those lower, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16s, yeah, you better watch out. I mean, San Diego can, they could make some moves there. So we'll see. Great win though over Pepperdine. I didn't necessarily think they were going to get that done. Honest to God, again, if you threw San Diego into the Pac-12 tournament, they would have been right there in the conversation with USC, Arizona, Stanford of who knows how this is going to shake out. And, you know, those would have been your perennial contenders. And we've seen what Pepperdine's done against some of those teams this year. But San Diego's done again, 18 and three overall on the season. They've been spectacular. And, you know, again, they're two wins away for, uh, this weekend from uh, clinching a WCC title. In this theme of, you know, the non-Power 5 teams, yet those teams who are just as good as anyone across the country, a team we've talked about all season long, Middle Tennessee, they see their top 16 hopes probably put to bed, unfortunately. Tulsa knocks them off for two. Chris, you're shaking your head. You say they're still in the mix? I don't know because nobody else in that range has been making, you know, moves. A lot of these teams have been knocking themselves out of contention, and they're still – you know, they're still sitting there uh, with Arizona's loss today. They're still sitting there right in, in that 17, 18 range that they're going to get an opportunity to win a match worth some points in their tournament. So I don't know that they're I don't know that they're out of it yet. That Arizona loss was certainly a big help. It may be too much to get to get by. But between San Diego and Middle Tennessee, it wouldn't shock me if one of them did manage to sneak really, really close. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, again, because this middle, I mean, we don't need to rehash the Middle Tennessee conversation. They're right there with the San Diego's of the world, the Pepperdine's of the world, the USC, Arizona, Stanford's of the world. I would say, you know, again, a tier one school is a national title contender. Tier two school, you're flirting with top eight. You're certainly top 16. Tier three is you're fighting for top 16, but you're definitely top 25. I mean, Middle Tennessee is unequivocally a tier three school. The question was, can they push for tier two? Now, they'd beaten just about every tier, other tier three school they'd faced throughout the course of the season. Tulsa's frisky. You know, Tulsa's absolutely an NCAA tournament team. It's a good win from Tulsa, and I don't mean to bury what they've done because we've talked about this Tulsa team who, you know, has taken some tough losses here throughout the course of this regular season. Tulsa 14 and 10 overall, and, you know, that while they've balanced good wins against Oklahoma and Oregon with losses to schools like USF and, you know, Tulane, but now a really good win over Middle Tennessee, you know, you look for them in conference play. They go, uh, I believe, two and four overall, which is fascinating. But that AAC conference, uh, Chris, is as interesting as any conference tournament out there. Yeah, I've been talking, you know, a lot lately with uh, with one of my good buddies, the assistant coach there at Tulsa, Andrew Goodwin. And, uh, you know, and I think, you know, my my thought to him and I, who knows if it's going to come out is, hey, I think it's absolutely a must win over Tulane in the first in their first match in that in that conference tournament, I think they need two. I think they're going to have to beat Tulane. And then I think they're going to have to turn around and beat Memphis as well. If they beat Tulane and not come up short, I mean, that, that win over middle Tennessee was huge to put them in the spot, but the, you know, the bad streak they had had of four or five matches before that, that was, that just took them down. It put them in, it put them in a rough spot. So yeah, that's a, that's a good team that's on the verge of not making it. If they can't pull off, you know, two good wins in a row here 
in in the AAC. And I'm looking a little closer. Middle Tennessee just doesn't have – they'll get a potentially a win in the final over a Charlotte or FAU, let's say. It's not enough to get them to 16. So they probably – they're probably done. Uh, and they're going to be, you know, a – 18 ish type, uh, you know, they're going to be a good two seed for someone, but, but that's it. But yeah, the Tulsa story to me is fascinating. Uh, along with some of these other schools, you know, Charlotte went and took that match at Oklahoma state. We had the, the month, we had two Monday matches that were bubble matches. We had SMU Tulsa and SMU wins. We had Oklahoma state, Charlotte, Oklahoma state wins to put them in the mix. Charlotte's still in the conversation, going to need to run to the finals, at least in the tournament and beat FAU that you know some of these non-power five schools like you said are, it's going to be interesting to watch these conference tournament play conference tournaments play out to see exactly how close they are yeah with that said let's root again rapid fire through the rest of these best of the rest illinois win of their season and Where i mean that again, come from yeah they sh- it's just like for them to drop nebraska wisconsin matches which was again they needed both to stay alive for the ncaa tournament if you say hey all you got to beat is, is these two. You'll beat Northwestern that next weekend. They would have been like, okay, we're like, sure, let's freaking do it. To quote our girl JoJo, Maddie, it's just too little too late probably for their NCAA hopes. At the same time, like, what a result. Let's play good win, bad loss for a second. Why don't we? <laughs> I mean. Wait, do I, we have a horrible loss category? Right. I mean, <laughs> come on, Northwestern. What? What? Come on, man. I mean, for once, it doesn't even sound like we're going to play that game today. And geez, this is the prime example of a bad loss for Northwestern. Um, You know, for Illinois, I don't really care. Like you said, Gruskin, too little, too late. I don't care about Illinois, but man, for Northwestern. I would point out that one point on the board because we have to play a little favoritism here. Presley Thieneman over Alex Brown. So our boy Young P does his job. But I mean, I'm going to flip it. Man, does that feel good for Cephas Monsi? Man, does that feel good for Alex Brown? They, I mean, again, after a, a brutal season to win that match at home, it's just a nice way for them. To, it, I do think it's a nice win. I agree. Again, I'm not saying they're going to make the NCAA tournament now. I'm saying that's a nice victory for the Illini. They probably didn't even feel that good about it after the season that they've had. One win o- over Northwestern wouldn't make me feel that good. I mean. All right. You know what? Fine. We'll move on. We already talked about Florida completing an, uh, completing an undefeated SEC regular season stretch. Shout out to the Gators for doing that again. Kentucky sweeps the Mississippis, and after wins over Tennessee, wins over Georgia, Kentucky's as hot as any team in the country entering postseason play. And then, you know, Florida State and Miami sweep Georgia Tech and Clemson. That becomes irrelevant, though, after the ACC tournament results we saw today. And again, credit to Florida State and Miami for their sweeping there in the final regular season of the uh, of ACC conference play. But, Maddie, you're sadly mistaken. We'll rapid fire through. I want just straight up one-word answers. Good win, bad loss. We've got a game for all of you today. We'll go through the rest of our okay. results here, notably. Harvard knocks off Northwestern 4-1, knocks off Penn 5-0. Good wins for the uh, – I mean, I think good wins for Harvard, who are top they're – prob- they're going to be top 16 now. Yeah, I I would say so. And again, Harvard's a team that I haven't loved as much as you guys this year, kind of like San Diego. I know both of you you and Chris have have liked San Diego and Harvard a little more. So, yeah, no, I would say these are good wins for for the Crimson. Chris? Yeah, I mean, definitely. All right, good win. LSU over Arkansas, 4-3. 
That's a good win for LSU. I mean, if you're Arkansas, you're a little disappointed there, but I mean, I would lean more towards good win for LSU. Yeah. I agree with you, Chris. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, LSU's we've talked about them a bunch. They're, they're a sneaky, dangerous team. So that's not a bad loss for Arkansas. That's a good win for LSU. And yeah. you've said, and they, you know, again, LSU goes on to beat Mississippi state today, thus solidifying their spot in the NCAA tournament. So very good victory for the Tigers. And as we've talked about, it's just a deep team. Ole Miss, 4-3 win over Arkansas. Ole Miss, uh, you know, again, a heartbeat away from knocking off Auburn today. And Chris and I did a full – we finally got our – Maddie. I feel like we're, we stepped out on you, so I want to make a confession to you here if you'll allow me that opportunity. We, we haven't talked you, about Maddie. Ole Miss. Yeah, which is a fascinating team, and the three of us talk about Ole Miss privately. But last night, Chris and I, talking about the SEC, did our seven minutes on Ole Miss where it's like I, the crux of the conversation – and Chris, one of those rare times, he's like, you know what, Gruskin, you might be right. It feels like Ole Miss is the Atlanta Hawks of college tennis in that this Ole Miss team, 2018, Reynolds is on that roster. Obviously, Sam Cullen was, but they knock off Stanford at Stanford and make, you know, an NCAA Sweet 16 run. Last season, this group makes an NCAA Sweet 16 run and, you know, damn near won that NCAA Sweet 16 match. Now, you know, this season, they kind of slept walk. Uh, through the uh, regular season, no doubt about that. That said, you know, they beat Mississippi State, which I phrased as, framed as the one match that actually mattered in their schedule this season. And now they come so close to knocking off Auburn. I think this Ole Miss team is fr- – like, again, I think they're extraordinarily dangerous just because they've done it before. Like, everyone in this group has competed in an NCAA Sweet 16. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. They they do seem dangerous. They've got some experience on that squad. This year they just haven't they just haven't brought it out nearly enough. The the season has not gone the way that I thought it was going to go for Ole Miss. I thought they, they would have been better. Um, you know, but a good win over again, if we're playing good win, bad loss, I think their win over Arkansas, it's a good win for Ole Miss, especially considering the season that they've had. Yeah, and again, Arkansas goes through, ultimately earns a victory today over Texas A&M, thus likely solidifying their spot uh, in the NCAA tournament. And again, we'll go through quickly here. Washington, Oregon. Chris, good win, bad loss. Neither. Neither, I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't think it's a particularly good win. Oregon's hung around somehow. It's, It's beyond me how they've managed to hang around there in the rankings this year because they just haven't beaten the good team. So I don't consider that a great win. It's definitely not a bad loss because Washington's a, is a decent team. Yeah. I like to hear it. All right. Um, again, moving through o- Oklahoma state four one win over Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good win. It's, it's definitely not a bad loss. This was a team. This was a match between two teams fighting for an NCAA tournament berth and it puts Oklahoma state right there on the bubble. So the problem is, Oklahoma state needs one more match and they draw Texas first round in the big 12. Sorry about your luck, Oklahoma state. Yeah. Uh, SMU four one over Tulsa. We addressed earlier. That's a good win for the Mustangs who are yeah. just playing good ball. Yeah. Now Miami got good win over Clemson four two, but then Miami knocked off today by Georgia tech. So I think that one's defaulted USF a four, three win over UCF. Chris, I know that's a match you were watching closely. Oh, the battle for I four in Florida. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge <laughs> match down there. You know, those two, yeah. 
you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, obviously not quite the levels of uh, Ohio State, Michigan, but those two schools don't like each other. And that's a that's a big rivalry match that, that they call the battle for I-4 down there. So, yeah, that was and definitely I mean, UCF, look, they can't make the tournament based on record. They would have to win their conference tournament. But if we if they could go back and throw out the first half of the season, they've actually started to play kind of to where we thought they might be. We, nobody thought they were top 20, but we were in that third, you know, 25, 30 ish range. And they've started to play like that kind of team lately. So that's a good win for USF. Yeah, I like it. And then, of course, VCU, the win over ODU, 4-1. And then Liberty, 4-7-0 uh, win over North Florida. So shout out, of course, to the Flames. Uh, with that said, uh, let's move on to our rankings and where things stand as we approach conference tournament play our final weekend of the regular season, Florida, after ripping off in a regular, uh, an undefeated sec regular season, they stay number one, Ohio state back up to number two after their victory over the Wolverines, TCU three, Michigan four, Baylor five. Then we have UVA six, wake four is seven and South Carolina as our top eight. After that, we go Kentucky nine, Tennessee, 10, Georgia 11, Texas 12, then Arizona 13, again, before the Washington match, USC 14, Stanford 15, San Diego 16. There was a three-way tie at 16, San Diego, Harvard, UNC, all tied at that number 16 spot. So actually, if you're going to send any gear this way, send it to super producer Daniel Westoff, who makes the decision to put San Diego in that 16 spot. I'll start with you, Maddie. Where does tier one end and tier two begin? Where does tier two end and tier three begin for you? Probably the top six um, tier one, I would say. And then, uh, tier two. So just to clarify, your tier one: Florida, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, Baylor, UVA. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I mean, I think those are the teams that I would have the most confidence in right now, for sure. That could make a run all the way to the title. Yeah. Um, and then looking past that, you know, Wake, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, T- Texas. I guess. I mean, I guess you have to throw them in there, but. Um, yeah, tier probably, two stopping after Texas with Arizona's loss today, probably. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, USC, like, if USC wins their tournament, like, I may, I would kind of want to throw USC in that mix as well if they win mm-hmm. too. No, if I like that's that. fair. No, I think that's interesting. Uh, I mean, again, if they I win might, it, if well, I might bump Georgia down to tier three. I would definitely keep Texas in tier two. I'd also bump Tennessee up to tier one, just because, again, if that team, if healthy, Texas is in tier two, Georgia's in tier two. Chris, tiebreaker. I, oh yeah, I'm well. I'm for sure drawing the line of tier one at, at six, and and I'm throwing everybody to fourteen in tier two. I draw the line. <laughs> before Stanford, just because I don't believe, but, uh, but up to that, yeah, disheartening what Arizona did, but I still think they're super dangerous. And yeah. I, th- I think all those schools from seven to 14 are in that category of they could beat anybody on any one given day. I just don't yeah. think they have it to make it all the way. 
See, I'm going to end it at 13 and say we get one Pac-12 representative. We don't get two because, just again, I don't know what's going on in the Pac-12. I like that. Yeah, we'll give the winner of the Pac-12 tournament our representative in Tier 2. Again, I think you guys are wrong to not put Tennessee in Tier 1. And with that in mind, let's get to our week ahead because conference tournament week in a bunch of different places now. You know, I want to start with the SEC tournament, and Chris, we already talked about this, but I want to go to you, Maddie. We made some predictions here. Florida, I think, would be our unanimous consensus pick to win the event. Yeah. I think Tennessee's the dark horse. And look, is Tennessee back is probably the thing I am watching most closely because for Tennessee to win this tournament, they have to beat Georgia, they'd have to beat Florida, and then they're going to have to beat the winner of South Carolina, Kentucky. If they do that, Maddie, they're back in Tier 1. Not only from our ranking perspective, but to win those three matches on three consecutive days, that's literally the NCAA tournament. That, to me, is why they're the team to watch. Because now, like, again, the urgency they played with through the first six weeks of the season, if we see that here this week, then we have to put them back in Tier 1. Okay. I'm fine with that. I I agree, Gruskin. They are probably the team to watch in the SEC tournament. I just don't – I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, I want to see if they can do it. And you're right. If they do do it, we put them in tier one. I have no problem with that. I will allow you to do that. Okay. I just don't, I don't, I wouldn't bet on it. Okay. Do you think they beat Georgia? I think they can beat Georgia. Yep. Yeah. Cause that's who they've got tomorrow in the quarterfinals. Chris, you're our SEC guru. Give me what other things you're watching. I have well, NCAA cool. bubble teams, obviously Ole Miss does not deliver today, but uh, what are you watching for? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, the match to watch is Georgia-Tennessee. It's at Georgia. I don't know if Monday's 100% healthy. Uh, I'm taking Georgia. I mean, they're they're at home. They're playing against a team that I just don't know. Yeah, I think if you do, if I knew, and I knew in my heart of hearts that Monday was 100% healthy and he was good to go, I would probably pick Tennessee. I just don't know that that's the case. Uh, and and I have no idea what they're doing with the whole Prada Gannon, you know, situation. And it's in Athens. You know, we all know what that place is like. It's nuts. Uh, I mean, I got to go. I got to go go with Georgia. Interesting. I'm and that's the ma- that's by far the match to watch tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other matches we expect. And I don't you know. I think South Carolina Auburn could be. Sneaky good. Auburn's one of those teams that they actually play really good doubles. And South Carolina's so good at South Carolina's kind of lived on doubles in their top four guys. If you know, if somebody goes in and takes doubles off and of Will them, Nolan doesn't lose at six for Auburn. And yeah, like that's, well, that's what I'm saying. If if Auburn yeah. could go in and somehow sneak out doubles, and then you get one or even possibly both of five and six, I mean. Look, yeah, your Tyler Stice is not bad, but he's probably not beating Daniel Rodriguez at one. You're certainly not betting on that. Uh, but but if you get yourself in a scenario where you only need to win one or maybe even split the top four with South Carolina, I mean, that's where you need to be to try to beat them. It could be a dangerous, uh, a, you know, a sneaky dangerous match. Yes, Kentucky Arkansas was four three at Arkansas. I, you know, again. I didn't pick them last night. I'm not going to pick them again today. They could prove me wrong again. I'm not going to go with the Razorbacks. I think Kentucky gets through there. Uh, and I think Florida gets by their match. So so I think the really the, that the, the best two matches to watch there are 
that South Carolina Auburn, but by far Georgia, Tennessee has to be where all eyes are at the SEC tournament. Yeah, the other one is Kentucky, South Carolina. South Carolina's had Kentucky's number, and well, that's Kentucky. that's in the next. If they both get there, yeah, exactly. That's the thing projecting moving exactly. forward. Exactly, I'm fully expecting that Saturday match between those two, and that's you know match number three. South Carolina's beat them twice. They're just the better doubles team. Kentucky's mixed up doubles since they've played those two matches. So, you know, will it help them? Who knows? Let's see. But South Carolina's had their number to date. South Carolina, it would appear that if South Carolina were to make it there and beat Kentucky, you know, and they actually need Kentucky to make it there. They don't want, they don't really want the upset. Oh, you know, somebody, the Arkansas to beat Kentucky because they need the points. They're, they're trying to make that top eight push. They need Kentucky in that semifinal match. And if they beat them, very good likelihood, they, they probably force they probably force Michigan to beat Ohio State. Uh, okay. but, but we'll see. But it's a very, I mean, it, it makes them, it, I think it puts them in a virtual top eight spot should they make the finals. No, it's going to be something fascinating to monitor. Now, we already talked about the ACC and the Pac-12 earlier in this show, so let's end with the Big 12 Conference. And obviously, TCU, your number one seed, Baylor probably going to face Texas. Again, Baylor's had their number this season. Certainly, how healthy is Texas? It's now April and almost May, and this is what we're going to get from this Texas team. And, you know, again, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, both on the bubble, Oklahoma in the mix as well. Maddie, I know you've got an interesting take on this Big 12 tournament. What do you expect to unfold? Well, I think, Gruskin, it's going to be a little bit chaotic, actually. I know we're in Fort Worth here, and everybody's thinking, oh, TCU probably, but I don't know, man. And and again, Baylor hasn't necessarily been playing top elite-level tennis throughout this year. It's hard for me to say, right? Because again, you look at Texas and are they healthy? I don't really think they are that healthy. I look at a team like Oklahoma, the Sooners. Wow. I I think they've underperformed this year. I really do. Like if you look at their roster, right? This is a talented squad. Mason Byler and they've got Mark Mandlick and Nathan Hunt. I mean, there are guys on this team that can really, really play. I just think they've underperformed this year. I don't know where they're at. Chris may be able to look this up and see where they are in the projections right now. I think it's it's do or die for them now. I think Oklahoma could go on a run and win this whole tournament. Well, I think I'm, they, I'm convinced you looked at my notes because I have this take mapped out and I say, is Oklahoma the dangerous sleeper? Because when you look at this Oklahoma uh, yeah. team, again, Jordan Hassan has played yep. some really good tennis throughout the yes. course of this season. 27 and 11 overall. Mason Byler again 12 and 9. Mandlick 16 6. Alex, Alex Martinez, Martinez 12 and 8. This team finds three singles wins in every match just about that they play. Now again, doubles has been a bit of a struggle for them. Although 35 and 18 and Byler and Han 15 and 3 at the number 3 spot. It's really at 2 where they've struggled the most. I mean, look they play. They play. Really they play who? Ruskin, Texas Five, Tech. Texas Tech. They, who? They, they play Texas Tech. Four, so I'm, yeah, I like it. I'm going to take Oklahoma over Texas Tech in that first match, and then they would play TCU, right? Correct. I'm going to call upset alert there and say that Oklahoma knocks off TCU, and then I think they will play Baylor in the final. And you know what? I can't say that Boomer? my confidence in Baylor is. I'm going Sooners. I'm Boomer. going Sooners. I'm in. Look. Here's the thing. 
I don't think Baylor has played particularly well throughout the course of this season. And again, tough weekend. Bass takes a loss uh, last yeah. weekend. And um, I think they lost that. I don't remember if it was Teddy who played at that number five spot, but I think they lost there in three sets as well. How healthy is Texas? Yep. I think I'm with you. I'm full on Oklahoma here. And I, I mean, Chris will be the power party pooper, but like, I think it's Oklahoma time. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the party pooper for sure. Well, let here. <laughs> the, the only thing that really matters at this point, right, is is that first match against Texas Tech appears to be a win or go home match. I mean, they if should Oklahoma lose that match, they're at like they're forty three, which is you know with with teams having matches left is probably not enough, and they probably get passed and they don't make it in. So. I think that first match is basically all the marbles for NCAA tournament. They win the match. They're in the tournament. They lose the match. They're sweating it and probably out uh, now. So let's just, let's assume that they win the match and they're in the tournament. Do I think they're, I mean, they just played TCU as a five, two match, but do I think they're going to beat them? No, I don't, I don't see it coming. I mean, I, I'm, I do like the talent on the team. Uh, I like Byler. I like Nathan Hahn. I I just don't, Alex I don't Martinez, see, Mark Mandelik. I don't see I don't see how they beat TCU. Well, I just don't see it. I will say this, Chris, and the coach will na- remain unnamed, but a certain coach may have implored us to see if we could convince you that we were picking Oklahoma simultaneously and see if we could get you to go with us. And <laughs> you did not fold. Yeah, you ultimately stayed firm. So credit to you. I mean, bravo. By the way, Maddie, get the Oscar ready. That was brilliant. Golly. You were completely convincing. Yeah. He was completely convincing there. Was he not, Chris? That was a good, it was a good argument. It was a good argument. Yeah. You know. When you brought up Mark Mandelik, I was I like, he's not, ready. I, was like, I am Let's not go. easily swayed. Yeah, that was great. That was, uh, that was good. I mean, with that said, Maddie, you taking Baylor or TCU? Or Texas? Yeah, I'm going to go Frogs. Um, they're at home. I, I, I think it does come down to TCU and Baylor in the final. And just right now, again, I, Baylor can get it done, right? If they, we, we know they can. They beat TCU in, in Fort Worth earlier this season. I don't know if they can do it twice, though. I mean, if they play their best, sure, they could get it done. But I just, I think I have a little more confidence in the Frogs. I'll go TCU. I want to see Adrian dominate this weekend. I want to see him and Teddy go you know, undefeated at the number three double spot. I want to see him go undefeated, get off the court quickly. And I'm not worried about Adrian well. though. No, but I want him to dominate. And like, I want to see straight sets. Like I am the best player in the country and I get on my back boys. Like I am that good. Like, let's find a couple more. Uh, you know, I'm worth a point and a half every match we're playing. I, I'm Mizuchi's money. At I'm six. not worried about Wampy either. We need guys like Matias Soto is, and exactly. Sven La and, so and Finn Bass to, to step up. Who are you batting on right now? Bass, La, and Paralik, uh, or you know, Vivez, Fernley, and Maxted, or whomever it is. Because yeah. TCU's at home, I'm going to take the Frogs just because I think it's really hard to beat a team at home twice in a season. And so I'll take TCU. But Chris, final word goes to you. Who are you picking? Well, look, first of all, there's only one person that could have put you up to that freaking shenanigan, and that's Coach Woodson. Well, first so, of all, you should have right there been like, I'm taking Oklahoma, and here's why, and just jumped yeah, in. I, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't I, – I, that I actually thought you guys were serious. Matt 
Maddie favorites to Koyak was coming out with an Oklahoma take and you weren't I, I, immediately I, sniffing it. I didn't, I don't know how, how did I not sniff that out? Coach Woodson, you're, uh, that's, that's disgraceful. There's no way in hell I'm picking you because of that. Go frogs. Uh, well, you know what? Now well, that's what he wants. I yeah, know. Now, I know. <laughs> now I have to swerve just to disagree with you guys. I'll take the bears. That's fine. Um, go, hey, sick yeah. bears, man. I'm going to be rooting hard for my bears. Yeah, though. That's okay. for sure. Best. Well, now I have it. to swerve back to TCU. I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. Um, I mean, do you guys want to make a pick in the pack 12? Should I stick with Washington? Like I've kind of been on that pick all year long. Oh, as I got USC, USC earlier. No, no doubt. I got USC. Yeah, I agree with you. And then we all agree Virginia unanimously, I think in the ACC and, the who's are the best team we don't spend enough talking uh, time about because all of our project projections at the beginning of the year, despite the slow start, I mean, this team has just ripped off. Yeah. They've had the luxury of that bad start to yeah. fly under the radar the entire year. Uh, yeah. And they're and tier think, one though. Yeah. I think it's, I think we overstate what that really means. Like it's college tennis. Nobody's going out there going, nobody expects us to win. It's good. I mean, those guys no, are going I'm out really- there to win. Uh, yeah, I know, but you know, it's our job to create those narratives to make yeah. it feel like no one expects them to win. And so yeah. I think we've done a good job of doing that. But again, I think in, in our heads, they've been a top six team all year. Yeah, but again, after all those losses. And who are the Virginia losses to? TCU, number one. Ohio State, number two. You know, Florida, number three. Baylor, number four. Tennessee, number like, it's just like, come on now. Like, yeah. who are they actually losing to? It's all ridiculously and highly ranked teams above them. Yeah. Virginia's legit, uh, and I think we all agree this conference tournament is another chance for them to show that fact. But what do we have on the week ahead here at Crack Rackets? Our final Big Ten cross-court cast of the regular season, and we've got a couple of good ones on our hands. Certainly, you look across the board. I think uh, one of the most fun storylines for us down the home season stretch has been the resurgence of this Nebraska team with all of the struggles they've had injury-wise. And they're not making the NCAA tournament, but they're going to finish top five probably Big Ten regular season. And, you know, again, that's a massive leap forward uh, for this Nebraska squad who's got Ohio State. And, you know, again, the Buckeyes have dropped two points at home this season. So it's going to be fun to see them compete, certainly on the women's side, Michigan Northwestern's your gem. I mean, that's a match uh, with Big Ten seeding implications, two top 25 teams. And that coverage starts at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll carry through all the way to the end of our 1 p.m. Eastern time matches. We hope you join us for that. And as it has been a fun season for us to be able to provide the sort of coverage we know college tennis deserves. And again, it's our final cross-court cast of the year. Join us Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time, of course. With that said, huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision and Turner for their continued support of this show. Makes it possible for us to recap what happens in the college tennis world each and every weekend. With that in mind, again, one last regular season weekend for the Big Ten. All of our other conference tournaments come in the week at, you know, coming up next week. And then it's the NCAA tournament and we've reached postseason play. And that's when the fun truly begins. With that in mind, Maddie, then Chris, any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? Uh, no, man, I, I, I'll say sick and bears for the big 12 and I would say go Duke, but they're already out on Thursday. So, uh, that's a little bit disappointing. So I guess I'll ride with Baylor. Chris, you got a luau to attend. What are you up to the rest of the day? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm like laughing at Maddie's expense when my bulldogs lost today too. So I don't know why I'm really laughing at you, Maddie, but, uh, I guess it's go flames. They start tomorrow. So there you uh, go. That- that, that'll be it. I'll be, I'll actually be in Maddie's neck of the woods. I'm heading to North Carolina tomorrow. Uh, so the, the wife's got a, a, a race there. I'll be doing some mountain biking and, uh, 
I guess that means when I'm driving home Sunday, I'm listening to the Gruskin uh, cross court yeah, cast. That's what I like to hear. Can I say this? If you guys are both in North Carolina, like, can we get a Chick-fil-A date photo out of the two of you or something? Just like a little biscuit action or. Hey, I was you know, there this morning, man. I yeah. was there this morning already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bring him a sweet tea and say this is from Bill Kallenberg, uh, as you remember very well, Chris. Ooh. But uh, yeah, with that said, uh, again, a shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff for the editing job. He does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. We'll be back Sunday. Final Big Ten Cross Court Cast next week. Final deciding points before it's NCAA tournament time. If you're not excited. I mean, you're not still tuning in to this show. So with that said, for my fantastic co-host, Matt the Cracks, Dakoia, Chris Halliors, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turn On from all of us here both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We hope you enjoy another weekend of college tennis action. And with that in mind, gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, hey great shot. shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 